0: Hey, Jim. What you doing? Making a podcast. Want to join me? You bet.
1: Welcome to the Live It Well Podcast,
0: where we hope our stories help you better understand yours.
1: Okay, Jim. I want to start the podcast with a question, and you have to answer yes or no, and you can't elaborate until you've said yes or no. Okay. So here's the question: Am I a good driver? no 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 are you serious if you had to pick yes or no you're gonna say no i'm a bad driver yep why would you say that
0: because every time we're driving i have
1: to help you wow we hit
0: curbs we almost hit people i mean
1: humans come on i don't almost i mean cars okay
0: people in cars
1: Have I always been a bad driver?
0: I don't think I noticed as much. So, yes.
1: Oh, wow. So, I think, this is my theory, is that you notice things when I drive that I don't notice, which is true. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're recognizing. I think there are things that I notice that you don't notice while I'm driving, too. And there are things that I'm protecting us from that you don't see. A doubtful. What? Yeah. You're Mm going to stick with this answer?
0: Absolutely. Wow.
1: Is our our son a good driver?
0: For a (laughs) (laughs) 17-year-old.
1: Okay. Now, the million-dollar question, are you a good driver? Absolutely. Of course. Absolutely. All right. Tone's been set.
0: Enneagram one in the house.
1: So, uh, we are Scott and Jamie, and we are so excited to be a part of a podcast and to, uh, to just do this. And so, one of the things we would love to do is just talk a little bit about us and who we are. Uh, so, please introduce yourself.
0: Hi, I'm Jamie.
1: Jamie. And uh, have you, like, is this today the first day you ever thought about doing a podcast?
0: Oh, gosh, no. Um, how long have I wanted to do a podcast? I would say it's been at least. Six or seven years.
1: Okay. That's awesome. Uh, I, I'm Scott, and I feel very similar. Uh, I, f- I think one of the things that's true about both of us is we find a ton of value in podcasts. Absolutely. Now, one of the things you like in podcasts and you pay a lot of, or like you, most of the people you listen to are, they have a host, and then they have guests. We are not doing host and guests, unless you want to be the guest or want me to be the guest. We're co-hosting. How do you feel about co-hosting a podcast with me?
0: Let's be real. I'm probably the guest because you're the talker.
1: Ouch. We were doing mic tests just a second ago and I said, hey, Jame, I need you to talk a little more. And she's like, shocking. <laughs> <sighs> okay. So uh, no, we're co-hosts. Now, how do you feel? Assuming- Wait, can
0: we use that word? co host
1: I don't know. Why aren't we co-hosts?
0: I don't know. You don't like that co-host. Oh no, we're co-hosts. co-hosts.
1: It's no, because it's like extra adjectives. With co-host is just all it is. We're just co-hosts. Okay. So, uh, Jamie, how do you feel about about oof, about co-hosting a podcast with me?
0: How do I feel about it? Yeah, like let's just let's get I'm out excited! Here. Can't what,
1: wait. What? Tell me something. Maybe you're not excited about
0: preparing the podcast with you
1: okay why is preparing the podcast hard
0: because this is how scott prepares to talk he just talks he doesn't have to prepare i on the other hand want a script a full-on script everything was supposed to say redo do all you, the
1: things do you think the podcast that you really like that you listen to that you enjoy do you think they script out everything no
0: they talk like you do okay. that's why this is your podcast and I'm the guest.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh I am super excited about the podcast. I think what makes you and I work, by the way, we're married. Uh, we've been married for almost 19 years here this month. Uh, is What I think is going to make this work is that we could not be further from the same in every area. So Jamie says, I'm a bad driver. She's a good driver. Jamie loves to prepare lots. I like to prepare little. Um, what's something else that's an opposite for us?
0: Our cleanliness.
1: Oh, ouch. Okay, so what let's let's describe that for a second.
0: Scott likes messes. Wait a second. He doesn't.
1: Wait a second. That's not true. You must. Nope. Because there's messes everywhere you go. Hold on a second. What it is is I don't prioritize cleaning like you do. Instead, I prioritize whatever other things are happening. So cleanliness is just way down the list. Or like I'll say sports, but like Exp- like our kids are making dinner or whatever else there's just other things that are more important than in the moment in my eyes than cleaning and for you there's virtually nothing that's more important than cleaning in like the get this done so we can do the other things and I'm like let's do the other things and we'll get this stuff done later
0: mm-hmm.
1: seems about right doesn't it? our I?
0: house would be disgusting if you were in charge
1: <sighs> I mean you're right but I don't know you're just right I, I think that's accurate. <laughs> well and another thing too is we have a lot of humans in our house so we have five people that live here and and a dog and a dog by the way he is laying at our feet right now wants to walk around if you hear a little click clack it's the stinking dog it's chase uh so we have five five humans and a dog uh there's jamie and i and then we have a uh two high school kids and we have an elementary school daughter and do they all skew more towards you or do they skew more towards me in the cleanliness department
0: you. Yeah.
1: So really what you got is you got four people that do not prioritize cleanliness. And, and a dog that and, doesn't prioritize yeah, cleanliness. Fair. So four people and a dog. And you, on the other hand, are the one running around picking up after us.
0: Absolutely. Yes.
1: Does that give you joy to run around and pick up after us?
0: No. <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> it gives me joy to have a clean house. So I do it.
1: Is it even joy or is it just like peace? Like it's just like both. the weight? okay. Speak to that a little bit.
0: Um, I would say peace is probably the, the bigger driver, but I also do really love when things are like organized, and it's one of my
1: like favorite things to do.
0: So organizing and making sure that things are in order is, does bring me joy.
1: That's awesome. So in our life, I go to a normal day job. I'm a financial advisor. And normal. You, well, it's normal. It's a great job. We love it. It is. It's a great job. And I love what I do and I love helping people. It's really powerful. You have for the last 14 years, 13 years, stayed home. 14, I think. Uh, So you have been a stay-at-home mom and you have basically made sure that our family was where we needed to be and how we needed to be and all those things. Speak to that journey just a little bit. Speak to what it's like to be a stay-at-home mom, especially in a world where there aren't a lot of stay-at-home moms.
0: Yeah, it's lonely and it's um it's taxing and it's um really I don't know what's the word unglorious is that a word I don't know it we're not glorious it's um I know what you mean yeah it's 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 a hard place to to find contentment at least it has been for me.
1: So let's talk about that for a second. So you are the glue to our family. Anything good we do as a family is really because of you. Anything fun we do as a family is really because of you. So, um, talk a little more or maybe elaborate a little more on what it's like to be the person who is that, but also like, there's nobody handing out awards for a stay at home mom. There's nobody like you get, like you get recognition at a day job. Like there are people who just give you accolades or do things like that. But a lot of what you do is thankless. So speak to what that feels like a little bit. And then maybe speak to a little bit of the joy that comes out of it. Cause I think r- right away, we both kind of swung to the negative there.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, I think that's something that's been in our faces for the last 14 years, because I'm constantly like, I can't just do this. I need to do more than this. And um, so it it's easy for us, I think, to see the negative side of it, but the I wouldn't trade the last 14 years of my life for anything. Like it is been my greatest joy and my greatest honor to be able to just be here for our kids and for you and keep our home and our family running and the dog. Yes. Love the dog. Um, But I also have had this like relentless hope for more and, to do something else and more with my, I don't know, my brain and my, the little years were much much harder. I would say I was. It's a much lonelier place because there aren't a lot of stay at home moms. So if you don't find a group, and a lot of
1: them that are stay at home moms wear bonnets. Yeah. So you have that going for you.
0: Yes, and I do not wear bonnets. Um, yeah. So just finding like your place and and your value and and like you said, you know, there's no there's no awards or accolades for stay-at-home moms. It's a very unseen job. And that's, I think that's been the struggle. But again, like I said, it's not something I would ever trade. It's, um, it has been such a joy and such an honor. And I, as we embark on like new things and our kids, you know, start to look at college and what's next for them, like, I find myself grieving for the last 14 years, like, I want those years, some of those years back or some of those moments back, but also so excited about what's ahead and like what our kids are going to do in the world and who they're going to be.
1: We live out the idea and we are full believers of the days are slow, but the years fly by. Amen. Like that is us to a T and it's, um, I still find like, I still find evenings with our family sometimes to be really slow. Like, and I mean, mostly bedtime. (laughs) <laughs> it's, is a challenge for us, um, for one of our kids. And so it's like, um, I still have to force myself, even though I've watched the years fly by with our kids, I still have to fight against just getting drudged in the day and like being like, Oh jeepers, do I really have to do that? like, do I really have to do that? Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, our youngest can be a challenge, especially at bedtime. She's the life of the party extrovert to the core. Does not want to go to bed, really barely sleeps. Um, so yeah, it's that has been a challenge. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't find the days like as monotonous as they used to be. The because they aren't really. changing diapers, naps, yeah. that kind of stuff. Like the little years were much, much harder on me, and now I, I find joy in her when everyone
1: gets home, and I agree.
0: Or we're running to a track meet or a soccer game or. I don't practice. know if I find a lot
1: of joy in the track meet. And yeah. I'm just gonna throw this out here. So track is a sport that takes like six and a half hours from start to finish. And your kids are involved for like 90 seconds. Maybe, maybe if they run the mile, they're involved for five minutes or something, but I don't like parents just go to these things. This is our first year with our kids being in track or are, are going to track meets.
0: We've uh, actually been to one track meet. Yeah. One, one. Is,
1: one was enough. I went, I actually competed in track in high school. I loved track then. And it didn't seem weird that we were there for six and a half hours. And like last week when we were at this meet, It was freezing cold outside. It was, and then we watched our son. And it was, I was really glad we were there for our son. And then we stayed longer to watch some other kids we know. But I don't know, track parents, I'm proud of you. Like you, if you've done this for years, like we've done this for about six weeks and it feels like a really long time.
0: It's a commitment, but anything our kids do, watching them, I don't know, even just try new things. Like our son is not the best at track. It's his first time ever running track. It's a 17 year old. And it's definitely not his sport or his thing, but he's went out there and he did it. and it's, I love watching it. Even if he came in last,
1: yeah, I'm proud of him. And it's, it's fun to watch that part. I love watching like our oldest daughter. She, uh, she just recently had to change jobs and I watched the stress that was in her, but then also watched this new job, give her so much life. And I know sometimes she doesn't want to make those changes, but, um, I want to go back on the homeschool or homeschool. On the stay-at-home mom. (laughs) We did that, too. We did do that, too, but we don't wear bonnets. We've done lots of things. Uh, So when we decided to have you stay at home, that was a very specific choice we made. It was really deliberate. Um, What were some of the repercussions, both good and bad? Repercussions sounds negative, but what are some of the results of you staying home that, um, that impacted our family? Obviously, having you there made a big difference in a lot of ways, but what are some of the pros and cons to that?
0: Yeah, I think just our presence, us being around for our kids. Even you, like when you say, "I go to a regular job," like there's a lot of flexibility in your work, and that was on purpose. Like we made this decision for me to stay home and for you to do what you're doing, so that we could be around for our kids. We knew this season was going to be short, and as, although some days it doesn't feel fast, other you know moments, looking back now, it is it it's flown by, and so I think. Um, one of the biggest negatives to us has been financially. It's just when you're living on one income, even though you make a a decent income, it's it's not easy to, I guess, keep up with everyone else. And, well, and 14 know.
1: years ago, I probably barely made a decent income too. So when we made True. this decision, I mean, it wasn't like we were flush with cash. We were the opposite. We were broke. And we were broke for years after that decision. And we watched people that we knew – Buy things like boats or go on vacations that we couldn't go on, or drive cars we couldn't drive, or live in houses we couldn't live in. And uh, we lived in a lot of small houses, and we rented for a long time. We did a lot of different things during that season. Uh, financially, that was a big weight. There was a lot going on. Um, any other real like we talked about kind of the, the worth and that we don't celebrate enough a stay at home mom. What else would you say is maybe a negative? And then let's dig into the positives.
0: Oh man. Um I mean, I think I think those things are really the core of the the good's and the bads, but I think the I think it's really just feeling unseen is such a big at least something I had to contend with most of my the last 14 years, like not even just by people in the world or you know, value from I don't whoever, like people you're around and close with, but also even just from the family. Like sure, it can be something that it's taken advantage of or it's That's good. It's not appreciated like it should be. Like my kids can text me and I can be at their school in fifteen minutes if they need something or or they need little a ride punks. or, you know, what?
1: The little punks. They just they expect mom to, They just
0: know. don't, they don't have any, they don't know any different. Right. It's not something they've had to, they've never had to deal with two working parents. And I, I often wonder, like.
1: Uh, we want to know what other families How do, do families yeah. do yes. this
0: when both parents are working? Like, I'm, you know, I can middle of the day, um, like I said, be at their school, be at their track meet in the middle of the day. Like, what, what do normal people do that clock into work? And have a 9 to 5. I guess they miss their kids' stuff. I don't know. I mean, so I think that's the other thing is just, like, being unseen even within my own home. Like, not – them not seeing, like, wow, we're really lucky. Yeah. And that's how I feel about the whole situation. Like, we're really lucky that we get to do this. And that we've been able to sustain the life that we have. And to raise our kids – so that we're there for them as much as we can be.
1: You know, I think one of the challenges that your job and my job have is that like I was just having a conversation with my buddy, Mike, and he's a painter. And like at the end of the day, he can look at a wall and go, and I painted that wall or this house or the this trim or whatever it is. Like he has this tangible at the end of it. And one of the hardest parts I think about your job, and I've more recently realized that it's really hard about my job is. I don't know. At the end of the day, I printed some reports and I talked to some people, but it's not a quantifiable. I didn't, uh, I didn't build a house today. I didn't plant a tree today. Like, there's not this tangible leftover. And like, even the things that are tangible for you, okay, so you took care of our laundry, which I'm super grateful for. So you did laundry, well, in like four days, that's all dirty again. Like, it's just a constant. There's just that piece of it. And so, um, I think it's actually a challenge that both of us don't have these quantifiables, but mine is more measurable. There's some ways to do that. yours is not measurable. So
0: yeah, very true. Uh,
1: Jamie, I would love to ask you about um, the journey that we've been on. I'd like to give like just a little bit of your input into why we're doing a podcast. Why have we gotten to this point? Um, what has led to this? what has been important to you uh, because, the podcast part has always been important to me, but the content and the ideas that got us to here really started with you. So would you take just a second and speak to that?
0: Yeah. I think over the last seven years, we've looked at like, what would we even do a podcast about? You know, like we've, we've I mean, we're experts in everything. Right. Obviously experts. Um, but Scott and I have never really like been on the same page as far as like how, how, how this looks. And, you know, he listens to sports podcasts and I listen to like, I don't know. I think you make me sound shallow sometimes. Christian, Christian lifestyle. Am I shallow? Pod- is
1: all I care about sports? No, but that is very important to you. Okay,
0: which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying, like, we just l- listen to different sorts of podcasts. So it's like, what would we even talk about together? Like, if we're gonna do this together, what are we gonna talk about? So two years ago, I embarked on kind of a crazy. Just took a step of faith and attended um, Freedom Academy, but put on by Carrie Garcia um, through f- the Freedom Movement, and. um
1: So you spent a few days in this, like, I mean, uh, let's call it a class. It's
0: like a coaching and um, just learning how to listen to people and sit with people better. And yeah, just, I don't know, class retreat. Um, There's some story work involved, which is kind of once I attended that, that's, that's really the thing that um, captured me and, and it was the thing that really got me excited, and it was the first time since I was a teenager that I like knew that I knew that I was supposed to do something with this work. And so I started attending a narrative-focused trauma care program through the Allender Center at the Seattle School of Psychology and Theology. That's a lot of words. It is a lot of so words. So if you need to look that up. Wow. Um, anyways, I, go, I attend the Allender Center. And um, so for the last two years, I've been doing my own story work and digging into my own past and my own um, my stories from childhood and my style of relating and the way that I see the world. And it has been not only eye-opening for me, but it has really been life-changing for me. And I finally, after a year and a half, grabbed Scott and told him he was no longer able to get out of it. And we attended a marriage intensive through the reconnect marriage Institute. And basically we did the same thing together as a married couple.
1: Now, one of the things that we've always believed and for better or for worse, Jamie and I are the same. If there's people in the room or if there's not like we are loud and we are, um, we're both really strong personalities we're both competitive. We're both pretty confident. We're right. Um, and so in our early years of marriage, we fought a lot. I, I don't know. I don't know how to quantify this a lot, but don't you, don't you feel like we fought a lot?
0: Yes. Okay. I still so feel like we fought a lot.
1: Well, we probably do. We probably <laughs> fight more than the average. But nonetheless, uh, one of the things that I think happens is, and I um, especially am sensitive and aware of young married couples, is I think you believe you're the only ones that fight a lot. Like, I know I believe that. Like, I felt like there are days where I was like, well, our marriage just doesn't work right. Like, what are we <laughs> going to do to fix this? Like, what's broken here? Or what's?" And so I think it allows you, those thoughts allow you to feel like you're on an island. And so you and I, for a lot of years, have had kind of this heart for marriage and families and to talk about those things. So when we went to uh, to the marriage intensive, which that is a good word for it, <laughs> Uh, we really dug into a lot of stuff. I got to be exposed to a lot more of some of the work you've been doing and things like that, but it felt like for the first time, maybe we had a vehicle or the start of a vehicle or just even the seed was planted for us to start to impact people that feel alone and not just married people, but just that human being, because I think, I think isolation is what's holding us back from the life that we, we want to live. Absolutely. And part of the reason we're isolated is our own doing. Part of the reason we're isolated is because of, of um, the way we grew up. Part of the reason we're isolated. There's just this, this inner, I don't know, this inner voice. There's these ideas that help us think over and over again that we're the only ones that deal with blank. We're the only ones that are dealing with anxiety. We're the only ones dealing with depression. We're the only ones whose marriage is rough. We're the only ones who, whatever it is, And I just feel like one of my favorite vehicles that you brought back was everybody is dealing with the stuff and they're all dealing with the same stuff in different ways and it kind of comes out in different ways, but they're all dealing with a lot.
0: Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and story work has helped me to just make sense of, of why I am the way I am, why I relate the way I do, and it has given me a lot of clarity. And so I think that is one of the the big reasons I, A, wanted Scott involved, and then B, want to bring this to the world and and help people kind of wade through their own stuff and what, what trauma or even just things that we had to live through. It doesn't even necessarily have to be, you know, big T trauma, as they say, or um, anything that even seems overly significant, but just like these core memories that we have where something just is off, and we we can't explain it, and and through the work of story work, we're able to decipher and decode what was actually happening and what our our young bodies were feeling, and the way that we react to things is actually tied to a lot of that stuff. And so once we can understand the those things kind of at a a deeper level, I think we begin to understand ourselves more fully and then we can live the full and like abundant life that God has for us. And that's the goal. And that's my goal in, in coaching and hopefully someday doing therapy. Um, some of that stuff it's, it's, I just want people to live a, a free and fully alive, like abundant life that God's created for us. And, um,
1: I, for me, the vehicle has been story work and so, it, so let's stop for just a second. For those of us, including myself, that are, are not as aware of what it means to, to do story work, that sounds, I don't know, it's, it sounds general. So just take a second and explain it to those of us that are not quite as ingrained in this idea. What does story work mean?
0: So story work is simply looking at the stories in our lives, big, small, and everything in between. And like I said, deciphering what the nuances are in the story and and what's actually happening under the surface. I think sometimes we see things at like a surface level, but when we get deep and we, we look at the small like intricacies of things that were happening and the way that we had to, to be in our families that we grew up in, which sometimes we refer to as our family of origin. So, so the place where you were as a, a child and, and the people that were in your life that were raising you and, and in those stories we find much deeper things and it's what what begins to create who we are and how we relate to the world and and so if we go deep into those stories and we can look at at more than just the surface of them and what they actually meant for us um we can begin to understand more about who we are and i think for me it's been it's been um, the biggest benefit to me has been the 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 release of some of the anxiety in my in my own heart mind world, um, and and just having a better understanding of of who I am and and who God created me to be.
1: I love that. And one of the struggles I had when you first started was the idea of family of origin, because my family of origin does not look traditional. Uh, there's a lot of working pieces there, and so you kind of helped me understand that family of origin was not hey, it's mom and dad, and that's the end of it, or brothers and sisters, um, it's it's bigger than that. It's the people that really impact you as a kid and really invest in you. So speak to just family of origin for just a second.
0: I mean, family of origin can even, well, when we're speaking of family of origin, we're talking about the people who raised you, the people that you lived with, the people that you, um, you know, for some people that's a biological mother and father. And for some people it's, you know, we have a daughter who's adopted, our youngest is adopted. So she not only has, us her adoptive parents but she also has her biological parents and their step parents they play in yes step parents grandparents um I think even uncles and aunts can play a role in that they did for me yeah and I even think I even think I don't know that it would technically fall under the umbrella of family of origin but even our friends and the people that we spent the most time with like some of some of those people can play into some of the ways that we we ended up being formed and shaped and now how we see the world
1: That's excellent. So now you've spent this time, you spent two, uh, two years working on this. You have more education ahead of you. You have all these things you're working on. You have uh, dug into this. What does this mean for your life going forward? How do you implement all this stuff that you've done? What does this look like other than hanging out with me on a podcast?
0: Yeah, I think it's the work's never done, which is, um, Equal, equal parts, good and bad. It's something that I'll do forever for myself, but also it's just something that I want to bring to the world. I want people to understand and see themselves in a, a greater sense of, of, of reality, of, of what actually happened and the things that actually have formed you and shaped you. And I think I think I mean, we're in the middle of an anxiety series at church, and it's never been more evident to me that nearly everyone struggles, has struggled or will struggle with anxiety at some point. And I think much of that anxiety, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, we're, they're asking, our pastors are asking the question, like, when did, when did you first meet anxiety? And a lot of people will point to a year ago, two years ago, five years or ago. Or when they were
1: 20 even or something. Yeah.
0: Years. Or 10 years ago, whatever. Yeah. Like, but we actually met anxiety at most of us at very young ages, simply
1: when you say young age, give us an example. Like ballpark it for us. Is I don't know, five? four, four or five, five, six. Okay. I mean, it, okay.
0: who knows? It, it's different for everybody. I'm not saying everybody met anxiety at four years old, but it's it's something that becomes a way in which we operate in the world because of, and and it's it's not always because we come from horrible families or like these abusive families. It's just simply in the fact that our we're all flawed. Every one of us has has stuff we bring into relationships, our parents, our grandparents, our great grandparents. And then, you know, it all trickles down through the generations. And, um, yeah, so my goal, my heart is just to bring this to people for, so that they can live, uh, an abundant and hope filled life that, that God's created us to live.
1: I love it. I think that's a phenomenal just thought process. Um, you know, if it's hard for you to picture the idea of anxiety at a young age, just try to picture the first time you were in a store and you couldn't see your parents. Like anxiety could be like the first time you met anxiety, it might've been something very simple. But, uh, I had a friend who uh, just recently I heard him say, and he went and he was talking to his therapist and he said, he's, he, his therapist basically said anxiety is now a friend that is a part of your life forever. And what role that friend's going to play in your life, but they're there, they're not going anywhere. It's just to what degree and i thought that was really kind of a powerful thought and he had struggled with some he had like a a panic attack and because of that panic attack went to a doctor started this process and um is really you know growing and seeing some incredible things because of it but anxiety isn't gone and it's not going to be gone and i just thought that was a really powerful kind of a reminder
0: i also think that anxiety can be a good thing like there's a reason that our bodies are are made for fl- fight flight and freeze like there are moments in our lives where where our body naturally kicks into those those places and it's meant to help us survive well like, those say- are things that God gave us and I think anxiety is maybe that's maybe not the the best word to use but I mean
1: stress though stress can sometimes be good I think stress is what what you're I mean.
0: yeah but even like I'm even thinking like you know when our our you know when our pastor is sharing a story about how her parents were preparing her for strangers and things like that like it's okay that our bodies our bodies react to things like that and and that can be a a source of anxiety but it's 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 there for a reason
1: well it doesn't come back to kind of the idea that you and I've been talking about all week which is there's two types of anxiety yeah. there's circumstantial anxiety based on I have a lot going on at work and I have a lot going on at home and those kinds of things. Like it's a driven by the circumstances. And then there are some of us that deal with anxiety no matter what the circumstances are.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of that points to trauma really. And it doesn't have to be big T traumas. It can be little T traumas, which if when you say don't big t, like, yeah, big T that. trauma is the traumas that we think of when we hear the word trauma. So being physically abused, being sexually abused, being, you know, verbally abused, uh aggressive, angry parents, family members, things like that. Um the little T trauma are are more nuanced. So it it could be anything. It's just like the way that we experience the brokenness in the world. Um and it typically comes from our family of origin and um may or may not be, you know, intentional things like that. So they're more nuanced. It's smaller like Things that happen to us that actually harm us, but aren't categorized under physical, you know, physical abuse, sure, sexual sense. abuse, things like that.
1: So let's do this. Let's take a really quick break and then we'll come back and we'll finish out this podcast. Sound Sounds good? great. Okay. So one of the ways we want to end our podcast every week is stupid fight of the week. And this was my idea as my wife rolls her eyes at me. Uh, so last week we were leaving our one and only track meet that we've been to so far, which was six and a half hours. And we were driving, I don't know what's it, probably 25 minutes from our house. And we got a few miles away from the track meet and you got mad at me for something. What, what had happened in the vehicle?
0: I didn't get mad at you. I was just annoyed. Well, I mean, okay. So you're annoyed at me. Let's, um, so that the, feels like semantics. we have a truck that has a tailgate, but then it also has the window will open if you just want to like you know grab something out of the tailgate window so I don't know how this happens because I've never done it before but the the window got popped open
1: now when we say open like it's not up it's just telling us it's, it's not popped locked. so it's okay. un,
0: It's it's not secured it's okay. not locked okay and how do you push the wrong button I don't know but Someone pushed the wrong button and then never closed it. Again.
1: It could have been me on the remote. It could have been the kids when they were getting it. It could have been anything, right? Or was it definitely me? It was for sure you. Okay, like, it right. could have
0: been. It, that's not something you can just open. You have to use, the, have remote to use the remote or okay. you have to use the button inside the inside.
1: car. Okay, perfect. So, it's definitely so me with the remote. kids did not do it. Okay. All right. Nice. I don't know. I, this, is, this is all coming to light. So, uh, I drive. When we are together, I always drive. And, Cause he gets car sick and well, that, and I'm a better driver than you. Oh wait, Please. we already confirmed that was not true. earlier. So I, uh, this last six months I've driven a lot of different cars. I'm just going to give myself a little bit of grace, which means the dashboard has looked different. I got rear ended like six months ago and I just got my car back like a week ago. And so I drove three different rental cars in there plus Jamie's car and all that. So, um, so she is furious at me because there is like a, an alert in front of me in the dashboard that says, I don't know what, I don't know what it said. Do you remember what it said?
0: It said lift gate window open.
1: Lift gate window open. Okay. Perfect. (laughs) You don't get so annoyed.
0: Don't we look at our dash when we're driving? Like your dashboard.
1: Your dashboard has like 60 different things going on in there. And it has like the little dial that can flip around. There's all this different stuff going on. Like definitely
0: the car's fault. No,
1: I'm just saying there's a lot. Like there is a lot on that dashboard. So, uh, I just assumed wrongly that we could just drive to where our son's car was and then I could fix the tailgate. Why we're going wasn't-
0: 70 miles an hour on a two lane highway. Like, no, we're not just going to keep, highway. okay. A four lane highway. We're just not going to keep going. We're going to pull over when it's safe. Okay. And we're going to close it like it should be so that my car doesn't fly open and break the back windshield. And I take really good care of my things. You do. And I, this truck was a 16-year dream, finally realized. Yes. I have wanted, so I even take better care of this truck than I would anything else. Because I have wanted it for so long. I finally got it. And he's like, can't we just drive to the car? No, that's not safe. We have three kids in the car. We're going 70 miles an hour. And he's like, you just want me to pull over on the
1: side of the road? <laughs> and I...
0: Uh, yep. When it's safe, that's exactly what I want you to do. You didn't
1: want me to pull over on the side of the road, though.
0: When it's safe.
1: Yeah, you wanted me out of the like because there's no way I was going to do that anyway. Well, so then I get to I realize where we can turn, and it's like half a mile from the turn to drop off our son at his car. Like it's
0: it's more than a half a mile. No.
1: Yes. I'm getting the GPS out. So <laughs> you would. It's I would. So if you look at that, like it's it's not a mile. It's less than a mile. So anyway, um. I just like, oh, it's no big deal. And you're like, no, it's a big deal. So then I pulled over on the dumb side of the road, went down like a back road and
0: angrily slammed the door as he got out and then opened it and slammed it again after he put the windshield down or the back shield down, whatever it's called.
1: I couldn't figure out what it was called either, earlier, and you looked at me like I was a moron. What is it? I don't know. The lift gate window? Sure. I, I don't know. I, you can make it up for all I care. Okay, I well, know. it's the back window. The back window of your truck. So, uh, it's just a reminder that, do you feel like that was a stupid fight?
0: I mean, it wasn't like life and death or anything. But,
1: but it. most fights we have are not life and death. No, but it's
0: yeah i mean it's on par you said with most I wasn't of our fights. Safe. we don't fight about we don't fight about like for the most part we don't fight about like huge issues i think that's probably why we've stayed married because the fights we do have are pretty stupid yeah that's why you're getting this segment
1: all right so this is the end of our podcast we are so glad you joined us uh and we will see you
0: next week see you next week
1: Thanks again for listening in as we unpack our stories.
0: Our prayer is that they give you a greater hope and a glimpse of the God of the impossible.
1: Shout out to Lemon Music Studio for letting us use your incredible song.
0: See you next week.